0: Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Bueri, and as always, I'm with a calculating traveler, Dr. Lucy Jones. Today's episode of Getting Through It is sponsored by individual listeners just like you, as a project of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Would you consider sponsoring this podcast, too, for as little as $5 a month? Because that's how it continues to be here for you week after week. It's simple. Just go to Patreon.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And now, let's get to it. As summer begins, many people are finally traveling again after more than a year of staying home and in town. There is a concern by many, though, about how safe it is to still travel. This goes to the fact that changing information is hard to process and adopt. So, Lucy, let's take a look at how safe it is to travel this summer.
1: We need to remember, it's never 100% safe to travel. The real question, is it
0: any less safe than it ever was? Exactly. So traveling on its own has its risks. We recognize that. But adding the complication of COVID-19, there are more risks to consider. You know, if we stop to think about it, we know this. Everything in life has some risk.
1: Freak accidents happen, and some not-so-freaky, very expected accidents take many lives. We don't spend much time thinking about this. We usually rely on our gut-feeling, affective responses. But in a summer like this one, with COVID continuing to hang over us, it's worth spending some time thinking about just where our risks are.
0: So let's start with the great American road trip, right? Cars are sort of drive our culture here in the United States. What's the risk of driving, where we know the COVID risk is next to nothing if you're alone in the car or with just people from your household.
1: But cars are one of our most dangerous tools. When we feel in control, we believe things are less dangerous. So holding that steering wheel makes us think that cars are safer than they are, ignoring the fact that we aren't controlling the drunk driver coming down the road or all the other ways in which cars can hurt us. Cars kill 35,000 Americans every year.
0: 35,000 is a huge number considering how easily we all get in our cars. And so often we definitely have this car culture that is pervasive in America.
1: So if we look at how do you think about how you die in a car? The national statistics are based on number of deaths per miles driven. And right now we're at about 1.2 deaths per per hundred million miles driven. That means if you drive a thousand miles for your summer vacation, you have a one in 90,000 chance of dying on that trip. So we can use that as our benchmark. If you think it's safe to take a thousand mile car trip, you should accept up to that level of risk from other types of travel.
0: That one in 90,000 chance of dying. Okay, so without the risk of COVID, cars look like the worst travel option.
1: They absolutely are. All shared transportation modes are safer in terms of crashes. If you look at the last 10 years, you would be nine times safer being in a bus, 17 times safer than a car being on a train, and 1,600 times safer on a scheduled airplane flight.
0: So we know that without COVID, we have some risks with cars being the most But look how safe air travel is comparatively, right? I mean, that is much safer just generally. But then how does COVID factor into that this summer?
1: It's going to take us a, a bit of calculation to figure, but I think it's worth going through that to see how you think about these risks. If we're going to look at the chance of dying from COVID because you took an airplane flight, we have to first calculate the chance of being exposed to it in the process. Then the chance that you'll catch the disease and then your chance of dying if you get it. It's easier to think about this with an example. So I want to start with a plane ride. Right now, the daily rate of new infections in the U.S. is about six cases per 100,000. That's average, like California's got half that rate. But the people on a plane come from all over, so let's use the average. You're contagious on more than one day. If you're symptomatic, you hopefully don't get on the plane, but there are asymptomatic cases and, of course, the pre-symptomatic period when you're quite contagious. So let's use an average of five days for each case that they can expose someone else. So that means you have 30 person days per 100,000 people or one in 3,000 people will be contagious on any given day. Last January, it was closer to like one in a hundred people. So we really are a lot better off now than we were just a few months ago.
0: Okay, so on this plane ride, let's not actually start on the plane. Let's start at the airport, right? There's a lot of people at large airports, especially like LAX.
1: The airport has a lot of people, but you're just walking past them. And just walking past an infected person is very unlikely to infect you because you do need to inhale a certain amount of virus before your system gets overwhelmed. So how many people stay around you long enough to be a risk? Let's think about that. It's probably 20, 30 people around you at security. Maybe there's five or 10 people near you waiting at the gate. Those would be the ones that you have to worry about.
0: Okay. So you're at the gate. Now you get on the plane. Things change. You've got a couple hundred people in a small space for an hour or more, depending on how long your flight is.
1: But you're not actually really being exposed to all of them. Studies of COVID on planes have seen that only the nearest rows to an infected person are getting sick. The way air is circulated on a plane, the back of the plane doesn't share air with the front. So there's maybe 20 to 30 people that are close enough to you on the plane to be a risk take the airport and the plane together, maybe 50 to 100 people are in that dangerous space. Let's round it up to 100 to make the math easier. And you have about a one in 30 chance of catching COVID from the people you are exposed to in the airport and on the plane.
0: And Lucy, you haven't distinguished, is this with a mask or without a mask? Who's wearing masks in this scenario?
1: This is without masks because, you know, the, a lot of our data is from the early on in the process when you looked at how you got infected. They now are saying that if you and the other person are both wearing well-fitted masks, your risk goes down by a factor of 20. But, you know, perhaps the person with COVID is is also refusing to wear a mask or, you know, what well, they're supposed to in the airport, but it's not fitting well. I'm going to use a slightly smaller number and say it one in 10. And then your chance of catching COVID and dying from it on a plane trip is about one in 30,000 or about three times higher than your chance of dying in a car crash on a hundred mile trip.
0: With a mask, it's safer statistically to take the car trip. But what does that mean if you're vaccinated?
1: the risk changes substantially when you're vaccinated. You still can potentially catch COVID, but it is much less likely, and it is even less likely that it'll be a fatal case. Vaccinated people are getting milder cases of COVID. You've reduced your chance of dying by at least a factor of 100, maybe a 1,000. So now instead of one in 30,000, we're talking about one in 3 million or one in 30 million. And now we're a lot safer than being in that car.
0: If you're vaccinated, the risk of traveling by air is much lower than perhaps you even thought it was, but also much lower than being in a car. But there's another complication. I know a lot of families, myself included, have young children who the vaccine isn't available to them. What's the risk there? Does the risk factor go up again? Are we still safer to be in the car with our family or should we be on an airplane?
1: The kids presumably are wearing masks. So you've got something like a 1 in 300 chance of catching COVID. But children don't die at the same rate as adults. It does happen, but it is very, very rare. So instead of a 1% chance of dying, it's like a 1 in 10,000 chance of dying. And now you once again have gotten that well below the risk from the car it's like a one in three hundred thousand to one in three million depending on exact what the mortality rate is if you have a child with special needs where getting sick is more dangerous you probably aren't going to be going through an airport with them but for an ordinary child perfectly healthy you put them at more risk by driving them than by taking them on the airplane
0: these numbers seem somewhat reassuring about air travel versus car travel Or if you look at it another way, it's somewhat disappointing that car travel is so much more risky than we let ourselves believe.
1: You know, there's some pretty interesting psychology experiments that have shown if we perceive something as beneficial, we also perceive it as less dangerous. And so we accept the car because we get so much benefit out of it. And it's maybe also our subconscious way of saying some risks are worth taking.
0: Let's leave it at that. And until next time, I'm John Bwery with Dr. Lucy Jones and you getting through it. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and become a sponsor at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones.